Good afternoon. I hope everybody is having a great day. This is Rob Hamilton, and this is the inaugural episode of Hamilton Sales Training Audiocasts or Podcasts or whatever you'd like to call them. Uh, but what this is going to be is an introduction. We're going to go ahead and lay out exactly what the mission is, where we need to go, and how we're going to get there. And it's really that simple. We're going to talk about a number of different things, and then we're going to give some specific examples of how some of these concepts and ideas and strategies and tactics all work together. Now, if you have an opportunity to go to the HamiltonSalesTraining.com webpage and go to the Missions tab, or Mission tab, it's going to give you a little bit of a biography and give you a couple of videos uh, just to give you an idea of exactly the origin of Hamilton Sales Training and its purpose. And I think, obviously, everything has to have a purpose, and ours is to go ahead and help evolve the craft of automotive sales. And we're going to do this by helping consultants throughout the profession become elite. Now, I don't mean just a few at each dealership. I mean everybody who wants to get in this business, everyone who has a desire to learn and to be excellent and to achieve excellence and to achieve that elite status. We are going to find a way to get everybody there if we possibly can. We're going to do it all together. Now, how are we going to do this? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to understand the business. Now, the business has changed. Make no mistake. A lot of the guys are going to say it's been doing this a long time. I, by the way, and you can read this, I've been doing this for 26, 27 years, a very long time, and we'll talk about what I've seen come and go. But this business has changed a lot. Obviously, the advent of the Internet has brought on huge change, and today it is more transparent than it has ever been in the past. Now, instead of you know looking at that as a challenge because the customers have so much information and there's misinformation, that's a challenge every day for us too, uh, we have to look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity for us to evolve, to take this to the next level, to change the business back to our advantage. Now, it does seem like the customer has the advantage in a lot of cases because they know what we pay for the vehicles. They think they know what their trade's worth based on all these certain sources that they have or specific sources that they have. And I'm going to show you why that's not the case. And I'm also going to show you how we can take all these different things and reverse the confidence and reverse the direction and make it very simple, make it a very simple matter. But we have to understand the business. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute here. Next, we're going to develop our skills. Now, the business is basically customer comfort and consultant confidence. It comes down to those two things. You'll read about that and be on the walk around the book that's out right now on Amazon. You can get it through Audible, Kindle, uh, what have you. Uh, I would recommend highly. If you haven't picked that up already, great reviews. Please do so and leave a review for me. That would be wonderful. I'd be grateful for that. But let's go back to the customer comfort, consultant confidence idea or concept or philosophy, whatever you want to say. Okay, These things are directly proportional. It really comes down to this. The more comfortable your customer is, the more likely they're going to be receptive to your words. They're going to hear your words. If they are not comfortable with you, anything that you say and do is not going to be considered. And you really have very little chance of building value or countering concerns and objections. On the other side of the coin, your confidence level is huge. And we know when we have confidence and we know when we don't. And we know when we're prepared and we know when we're not. So we're going to make sure that we do everything we can possibly do to maintain that high level of confidence. And when I say these things are directly proportional, I mean that as one rises, the other rises. As one drops, so does the other one. So these are things that we have to keep in mind. If I have a customer that is apparently not comfortable, clearly doesn't want to be there necessarily, and is not receptive to my words, my natural inclination is to have my confidence level drop off just a little bit because I don't think I'm going to be able to reach the customer. On the other side of the coin, 
I have the ability to change that. I have the ability with through my confidence, okay, through my um, excitement level, my enthusiasm, uh, my positive energy, I have the ability to raise their comfort level and at the same time raise my confidence. Now, on the other side of the coin, if they see me with my head down, the customer, I mean, if I'm walking out with my head down, if I don't look confident, if I don't have eye contact, if I have poor posture, a number of different things, their comfort level is going to drop off. If I don't know my product, if they ask me a question and I don't know what I'm talking about, their comfort level will drop off. And this leads to very bad things. The results are never really very good. And we have to be aware of these things. So we're going to work on it. So how do we do this? Well, a number of different things, training, practice, and we'll get into all that. But the biggest thing we need to do is develop our skills in building value. We need to be able to counter concerns. One of the key concepts or ideas and mantras that I live by is eliminate the shopping list. Now, I know if you talk to a lot of different people that do studies right now because of the Internet, people are visiting far fewer dealerships or way down, whereas they used to visit four, five, six. Now it's down to less than two. You know, it's a 1.4, 1.7, depending on what study you take a look at. So if they're there on your lot, in most cases, if they've done research, if they've been on the Internet, they're there to buy a vehicle. And it is our job, because there are so many options for that customer, to eliminate the shopping list. Now, again, this is through training, this is through knowledge, this is through countering concerns, this is through building value. But the way we put on a show, the way we present our product, the confidence level that we have, and we've all seen it in other areas, whether it be a waiter or waitress at a restaurant, whether it be somebody that helped us at a hardware store or sporting goods store or furniture store, they have the ability, certain salespeople who are elite have the ability to draw you in, make you not want to go anyplace else. And that's what we need to do every single day. Now, we see this a lot in walk-around training. If you go to manufacturer walk-around training, these people that do this for a living, that's what they do every single day. They don't have to really counter concerns or objections. They don't have to worry about building rapport. They have your attention. But what they do well is put on a show. They put on a presentation that is memorable. And what I like to uh, talk about is make yourself a dinner topic. Make yourself someone that the customer is going to talk about. That's how you eliminate a shopping list. And that's how you get repeat business and referrals. Make yourself that dinner topic. I didn't buy the car quite yet, but I'll tell you what I'm going back. Or I did buy a car, and you would not believe how I was treated and what kind of confidence the sales consultant had and what kind of show they put on and how they made me want the car and made me want to be there. These are the things we have to talk about. And I'm going to go through specific examples of how eliminating the shopping list can be done. It sounds almost utopian, and people say, no, they're going to go shop. We can't make that assumption. We can take them out of the market, and we have to learn how to do that now. Okay, so we have to do that. We have to limit the shopping list, and we got to learn new concepts. Feigned indifference is a new concept. Just briefly, the definition of feigned indifference is to pretend you don't have a bias as to whether or not somebody buys a car today or not. Oh boy, that flies in the face of a lot of things that we've talked about and learned, but it's extremely important, it's extremely powerful, and it's something that we need to learn. The technique, counter-transition close. How are we going to counter somebody's concern, then transition, and then close off that. These are all things that we have to learn, and this is the how do we get there stage. Okay, And then you have to create your following. You want to make people come back, but let me tell you what, if you eliminate the shopping list, if you put on that performance, and you sell the car, and you do everything right, and you follow up the right way, they're going to come back, and they're going to tell their friends and family to come back. And you, if you're brand new, can build the equivalent and I've said this before, and you'll see it on videos, of a five-year customer base of an average salesperson in one year if you do it the right way. Okay, two years uh, get you a 10-year base. And these are things that we're going to talk about. Again, how are we going to get there? Beyond the Walk-Around is a great place to start. You can go to the website. It's a book that was written a couple of years ago. 
and uh, you can go to Amazon again, Audible for the audio version, Kindle. There's a number of different ways to acquire that book, but please do that. Audio casts. These audio casts are going to be bi-weekly, and we're going to show specific examples of how these ideas and concepts and strategies and tactics work. There's going to be a series of videos, and they are going to be almost purely instruction. That's somewhat entertaining, if I could possibly make it that way. Uh, but there's going to be a series of videos that are going to instruct us, you know, how to practice, what to learn, and how to do all these great things that we need to to combat this new transparency or to embrace the new transparency and make it work for us. There are future books in the works. Motivated for tomorrow, you're already going to start seeing examples of that on the website at hamiltonsalestraining.com. And then the sport of automotive sales. The sport. It is a sport. We're going to talk about why it's a sport sometime in the future, but you're going to love that concept and idea, but it truly is. So that's coming down the road. So now let's get back to understanding the business. And this is extremely important. As I said, it's never been any more transparent. There's so much information out there. There's so much misinformation that we have to sift through and help the customer understand that it's really pretty hard to believe. But we can do this, and we can make it extremely advantageous. Now, we're beginning to use the transparency. A lot of dealerships, a lot of managers are beginning to use this philosophy because guess what? It's not a game anymore if you choose not to make it a game. I had someone who's in charge of um, the internet department, BDC, what have you, for an organization, uh, come to me. I was desk and deals, uh, and uh, this is a while back. And so why don't you go ahead and hide all that stuff in the fees or any accessories or what we need to do or uh, products, hide those in accessories. I said because that's not transparent. And number two, it's deceitful. And these are not things that we need to do. We need to sell. Okay, We need to upsell these things. We need to build value. We need to plant seeds at the beginning of the process when we're showing the vehicle, make it part of the presentation, and then sell the product. Okay, No more hiding and sliding. None of that. None of that is necessary. We can do it simply by building value and selling. Anyway, back to, the, back to my point. This is not smoke and mirrors. It's not a shell game anymore. And I will tell customers that. We are evolving the business. And if I was on a sales floor right now, if I had anybody that felt uncomfortable, I would try to put them at ease by doing that. We are evolving the business here. This is entirely up to you. I'm going to get back to saying things that are cute, but stay away from things that are cute. Like I said, when we go through the examples, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But again, no shell game. This is really simple. Either you see the value in it or you don't. Either you buy the vehicle or you don't. Or we look at something else. Okay, but it's really that simple. Again, there's no tricks. There's no games. Let's just see if this is a right fit for you. You make all the decisions. And this is an example of giving them control. Uh, and we're going to take that back a little bit later when we continue to ask for the sale. Okay. This is powerful, too, if you have the 1% of folks. And you're not going to run into this person too often, but I know I have. Uh, I know the car game. Well, the good news is it's no longer a game. We simply present to you the vehicle. You either see the value or you don't. Either buy it or you don't. This is not a take it or leave it thing. I don't want it to be like that. I don't want you to say, hey, pal, take it or leave it. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is we need to build the value and we need to make them want to buy the car. And then either that's going to happen or it's not. It takes away a lot of the pressure, a lot of the anxiety from us. You know, So it's how we communicate. Now, it's kind of interesting. This being no longer a game, everything is based on what the market will bear. Okay, the market will bear a certain dollar amount for the vehicle we're selling. It'll allow you a certain amount on your trade. It is that simple. Well, it depends on what you guys give. No, we don't give anything as dealerships or managers or what have you. It is what the market will bear. When you make it that simple, 
everything falls into place. Everything. Well, you're only going to give me this much of my trade. Nope. All of our sources in the marketplace are providing that number. So you're only going to discount this. Nope. The market is bearing that type of price on this vehicle. It's bringing this throughout the marketplace. And we're going to get into a little bit more in the way of specifics on how to overcome some concerns and counter some objections. So when we talk about what the market will bear, it is both new and used. Now the same sources that we've been frustrated by in the past are going to now become an ally. And what I mean by that is you'll notice that most of these sources are becoming more conducive to allowing us uh, to make some profit, which is nice. Okay, so the published and estimated trade-in values aren't as aggressive as they've been in the past. You should start to see that. The estimated retail gives us the spread we need to create profitable car deals. And these are things that are coming into play for us. So we are able to use, again, these sources and the marketplace to put together profitable deals, build value in the vehicles that we're selling for our customers. Now, there are reasons that these things are coming more in line. I don't feel pressured to go into that right now. If you have any questions, ask your management staff. They might have a little bit of information for you. Let's not worry about that right now. It's enough to know that it's there. With all these neat things, it'll come down to how we're able to utilize the information. Okay, now here's a key point to write down and remember. Any source produces information that can be misinterpreted and alter decision-making processes. That's a fact, and they all do. Okay, it's up to us to help the customers accurately read the data and to properly draw conclusions. Because customers tend to do interesting things, like take the lowest price they see on a vehicle like ours and go with that automatically based on whatever source they might be looking at. Also, what else do they do? And you guys know this. They'll look at five different sources for trade-in and take the highest, of course, because that's what we do. That is not how it works, and we have to go ahead and explain to the customer, make it clear that there's a certain way to disseminate the information. Let's take a look at how some of these sources are influencing the business, and they do have drastic influence. Now, Carfax, whether you believe it's responsible or irresponsible, Okay, has decreased values on vehicles that have more than one owner or that have accidents. Now, why might you say irresponsibly? Well, if you have a minor fender bender with today's technology, you can get that repaired. The vehicle's almost like new. There's no structural damage. It shouldn't bring any less money. But it does now because of the way the market has been influenced. Fair or unfair, that's what we have to look at. Now, the same thing goes with one-owner vehicles. Now, we know that people trade for so many different reasons. Okay, I had an instance a long time ago. I'll never forget this. A fella had a Dodge Crew Cab. It was green. I mean, this had to be plus 20 years ago. I have no idea um, exactly when it was, but a long time ago. And he just came in, looked a little bit sad. <laughs> and I had waited on him. He talked about looking at a Venture van. I was selling Chevrolets at the time. Again, a long time ago. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, gee, you know, John, what, uh, what's happened in your life? This thing was brand new. It had 3,000 miles on it. Well, his wife was pregnant with twins. Guess what? The truck needs to go. Now, that would have been a two-owner vehicle traded in very, very early, and somebody could have misread that into thinking, hey, this is a bad vehicle. Somebody couldn't get it fixed. I want out of it. And they wouldn't buy it. But that's not so. Again, numbers lie Reports lie, data lies. We need to know what the true information is somehow and how to read. If the car makes sense, if it's in good shape, 
Buy the car if it represents a value to you. If not, let's move on and look at something else. It's that easy. Okay, what about true car? Ah, now that's something that's evolved also. Because I remember years and years ago, uh, not exactly a dealer favorite. I don't think a lot of them are a big fan right now either. It's definitely a opportunity for somebody who is ingenuitive and kind of genius to, to make a lot of money. At any rate, they are feeding a little bit of misinformation out there. We have to deal with it. We need to sign up because everybody feels like they're missing something if they don't have the newest thing or the thing that everybody else has. But how can we as sales consultants, because that's what we do and who we are, help the customer understand that data just a little bit better, right? Because TrueCar gives you a lot of different prices. An average price of what it's going for in the marketplace, a really, really good price, a great price, and maybe not such a great price. So there's a lot of different information for them. Well, what type of data goes into the TrueCar pricing? Is it possible, and I would bring this up to the customer, of course, that demonstrators might go into this pricing. Wouldn't they be priced less? If you want a demonstrator, you're going to pay a little bit less, right, than the market will bear on a brand new vehicle with a popular color and equipped the way you want it. What about cars that have had damage or hail damage or repair damage? Would that not also go into that data and skew the numbers just a bit? Is that the type of vehicle that you're looking for? Because then you could be looking at this dollar amount. Well, no, it's not. Well, of course not. You want the vehicle of your choice with your color and this is what the market will bear on that. And it's just a little bit more, but it's a great value. Let me show you why. And then you move forward and attempt to close. It's extremely important. What about retail pricing on a pre-owned vehicle for Kelly Blue Book? There's a spread, right? Just the other day, we are looking at a 2009 Wrangler equipped a, you know, a certain way, wonderful equipment on the vehicle, relatively low miles, and the range was somewhere in the area of a 14.5, 14.6 to 18.1. Now, the customer had uh, made a ridiculous offer of 13 and Obviously, the sales consultant and the sales manager had to uh, write that somehow and just say, well, that's just not going to get it done. You know, the market will bear a lot more on this vehicle. These are all market-based priced, and uh, it will bring the dollar. But long story short, and we'll go back into this example, wouldn't it make sense that now because of Carfax's influence on the marketplace, that the lower end of the range would have multiple owners or be part of that, or an accident or multiple accidents. Of course. Perhaps a salvaged title, or rebuilt title, branded title. Yeah, maybe not, but it might. And that influences the numbers a little bit too. But for a vehicle that has low miles, unique equipment, in great shape, wouldn't that be closer to the 18-1 price? Of course. So these are ways that we have to learn to read the information and help the customer understand it as well. It's just not black and white. It's just not, yes, if I work really hard, I can buy this car for 14.5 or 14.6. Well, not this one. Not this one. You're going to have to pay the money, see the value in it, and move forward and enjoy your purchase. And we'll get to that as well. See the value or don't, buy it or don't. We have a lot of different vehicles and we'll move forward. We're going to talk about how to build the customer's comfort level in our inventory. We're going to talk about how we turn our inventory quickly for our good customers, how we bring in and dispose of so many different vehicles per week, and how we're going to find the right vehicle for them priced the right way, if it makes sense, and if the market will bear that. All these things go into this, and it's extremely important. Okay, so let's go back to the specific example of the 09 Wrangler. Uh, in fact, I was told that this uh, gentleman had come in, and it was one. Of, again, it's not too many people that do this, a 5%er, perhaps, or 10%, well, not even 10 but comes in, just give me your best price. I've got other things to go look at, blah, 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 blah. 
and I'm leaving. Um, again, no big deal. Uh, the man- sales manager took a turn on it and said, okay, very good, John. You're very important to us, Warm Fuzzy. Uh, we'd love to have the business. We'll take great care of you, Warm Fuzzy. Um, we'll talk about those later, too. Uh, but this vehicle is market-based price. We have an idea of what these will bring within a 250, 300-mile radius. This is priced very, very well and represents a great value for one of our customers. And it's a relatively fresh unit. We're very confident somebody will come in and pay the money for it. That being said, we'll take a look at what we might be able to put together for you. Have a great day. Uh, the sales manager did have the contact information and did throw together something uh, that was just a little bit better, but still asking for quite a bit of money. And again, the, the customer had come in, I think it was, uh, they were asking in the mid-high 17s, I'm sorry, the retail price was mid-high 17s. Customer came back with 13, which is just extremely old school, as if we pull the prices out of the air, but uh, not anymore. And we have to tell the customer that. We don't, John, we don't just price these things uh, willy-nilly. We don't just pull a price out of the air and hope we can get it. Everything is market-based price. It's all based on data and how we're going to move the vehicle very, very quickly. We do have a 60-day age policy. We do have to turn this inventory. Blah, blah, blah. Building value, building value. Now, that being said, it did elicit a response. Customer did come back to the store and begin to negotiate a deal. And it took him a while, uh, but they did eventually put something together based, again, on Kelly Blue Book building additional value uh, on a customer they may not have gotten in the past if they weren't able to work it that way and use that philosophy. So these things are very, very important. And uh, this is a great example of how it worked out. Another example was uh, sent to me, and it was the absolute perfect case of eliminating the shopping list. Absolutely perfect case of eliminating the shopping list. A young couple would come in and uh, didn't have their trade-in, now, I don't know, it depends, again, on your store and what they like to do. Are they going to go ahead and give numbers based on an estimate of trade, knowing you can't deliver the car anyway? There's a lot of different dealerships for them to drive to uh, while they go get their trade. A number of different things. A lot of people just like to move forward in the deal. This particular store, not so much. We're setting an appointment. They weren't ready to buy. They said they, said they weren't. The sales manager took a turn, and they want to schedule them back a week later. But the turn was so good. The sales consultant did such a great job with the presentation. And the people were so comfortable with that facility, knowing there were so many different similar facilities that represented that manufacturer within driving distance. In fact, they were from out of town. Later in the day, maybe an hour and a half, two hours later, they show up out of the blue. And this is a wonderful thing with their trade. So they went way back home and just came back with their trade and because they had that comfort level and they didn't want to shop anywhere else. Long story short, they ended up delivering the vehicle that day to that young couple. Now, that is also a third-party example that you can use with your guests. Any of these things, any of these examples that we go over in these podcasts or audio casts, I want you to write down our log as third-party examples because you begin a third-party example by saying what? Just last week, not too long ago, just the other day, I had a young couple come in, and they were a little bit unsure, and you repeat exactly what happened in the deal and use that as an example of how they bought the car that day and try to reinforce the fact that your guest should do that now. And this is just an idea or a strategy or tactic that will work with us very, very well here. Anyway, I want to get to another one before I end up closing uh, for the day. And this one is awesome. This one, <laughs> I don't know how you can use the sources in a proper way on this one, but uh, there's a store that had brought in, a consultant mentioned, they, they was trying to sell a 13 Focus with 1,100 miles on it. Very odd vehicle. Very rare vehicle. 
the guest he was trying to work with had what we call what a third baseman or what have you there was an older couple had had the son to try to help them there's a strategy that you use with a third baseman that is totally opposite of what most has been taught i do not in any way want to demean the third baseman i don't in any way want to say are you purchasing the vehicle or putting a down payment on the vehicle what is your involvement i don't ever want to do that with a third baseman i want to build them up i want to thank them for taking time out of their day to help this other customer or this customer or this family member of theirs buy a vehicle and i'm appreciative of it, appreciative of it because if i walk away and i've demeaned that third baseman there's nothing good that they're going to say about me. They're going to try to convince their mom and dad or their brother or sister or their uncle or whomever they're helping to leave the store immediately because I'm no good. All right. If I'm building them up, if I'm thanking them, there's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, this person seems right. They seem straight. Let's go ahead and continue to work with them. And we'll get into that. That's in the book as well. That's in Beyond the Walk Around. I'm with a number of wonderful things that you can go through. But at any rate, uh, let's get back to the focus. So we got a focus here that has 1,100 miles. 1,100. Again, where are you going to find that? Now, of course, Kelly Blue Book doesn't really know necessarily what to do with this type of vehicle. And uh, the son was saying, well, our sources are Kelly Blue Book or whoever said this is $2,000, or price $2,000 too high. And the salesperson you know, went back to his manager and said, well, this guy's saying it should be 2000 less. Uh, based on Kelly Blue Book or what have you, and it's like, hold it. Okay, we need to build value in this. Okay, this is a type of vehicle you need to throw the book out and the sources out. Had we given the customer who traded in that Focus with 1,100 miles what they wanted for the vehicle, there's no way we could represent a value to anybody that wanted to come in and purchase it. And this is huge too, and you can utilize these ideas when you're countering concerns and objections by saying that, you know, that's not enough for my trade or we need more money for our trade-in. And uh, I don't. It, it, we'll go through a lot of diff- those different things. But if somebody says, "Well, I really don't know. I just think my car is worth that," uh, one of the key counters uh, that we like to use uh, in this philosophy is, you know, please keep in mind uh, that we do have to represent a value on the other end of it too. Because I know you're going to be sending your friends and family in, and I can't overcharge them for a used car just because somebody thought that their vehicle was worth more. I just can't. It's not right. So we have to be very careful. We have to limit the risk, and we have to represent a good value on the other end of the deal. So keep that one in your pocket. You go ahead and write that down, too. At any rate, with this focus, uh, the point is, is he held the profit, held the dollar amount because they understood and saw the value in it. I think there was a minor discount uh, that uh, that the sales consultant made, maybe $400, uh, but did a great job and delivered the unit. So these are all things uh, that we need to consider and utilize all the time. And that's what we're going to do with the instruction part of it, the, the video series that's going to be coming out. But please, go to hamiltonsalestraining.com. Take a look at the website. It's kind of a work in progress. It's up and running. Uh, we will have some more videos put on. Uh, there's a YouTube channel. Please purchase Beyond the Walk Around. Get started. That's the thing that launched everything. And uh, the new works will be out in the near future. Uh, but look for these podcasts. Sign up. Uh, on uh, the website also for constant contact and you'll be receiving notifications on new videos and the podcasts as they come out and new chapters in the book as they get published to the website uh, prior to uh, the main publication date so there's a lot of information there love to have you all on board please see the value in this as well it's a whole new idea it is evolving the business and that's what we want to do we want to become elite we want to be the best in the world at what we do so that being said I hope you have a wonderful day. Talk to you in just a couple of weeks. Take care. Bye.